And we're live again on Game Changers with Vicki Abelson. And my guest today is my good friend, Corel Tunador. Corel, I'm sorry, you know, I, I here they see, look at what they do. They just double it, but at least now it says that I'm live with you. It still says friends only. They didn't notify people, but but Corel, I'm now I'm calling you Greg because it's <laughs> whatever you want. I'm easy, you know. Whatever you need, I'm here for you. However it needs to be, it's all good. You know, Corel, you're always here for me, and I have, <laughs> you know, you'll be here for me. No, you really are. You you are the the uh, the consummate friend. I'm Aww. sending you in text the link, so if you want to put it on your page, you ah. know, this is. People, I hate that. I hate when people say people, but I'm doing it. But it's just because Facebook is so frustrating. Corel, I spent an hour and a half this afternoon to make sure that this, this program was going to go public. And I had everything set and it didn't do it anyway. Um, I, don't even, I don't even know what to say other than better you than me. I don't know how to approach this. <laughs> so we have to talk about how things have changed and what your life is like now. Before we get into like the whole career stuff, um, well, let's finish with the Facebook fuckery first, because yeah. we did this amazing sit down in 2018. It was like exactly three years ago. Wow. And it was amazing. And there were thousands of people with us live and hundreds of comments and, um, Facebook took it down and you didn't do any covers. You did your own songs. There was no reason. Is, is my writing that derivative that they flagged <laughs> it? Is that what's happening? Jeez. I mean, if, I would hope that if it was derivative, I'd be worth like 30 million bucks. I would like monetize that. But clearly <laughs> I'm like derivative of the mediocre. Come on, Facebook. Come on. I'm, I'm telling you, it's absolutely crazy. It says, you know, and now I'm I, I literally spent all this time so that Facebook has changed the um, I don't know what you call it. The, the, what the algorithm. It? I'd rather have no rhythm than that algorithm. I'll tell you that right now. Their algorithm is totally fucked. They, yeah. it, it automatically, they switch it to going just to friends. I spent an hour and a half, got it to go public. It says it's going public. It still didn't go public. So 11,000, 12,000 people still don't know that we're live. So I'm going to post something <laughs> right now. A lot more, a lot more people than that don't know, Vicki. <laughs> a lot of people don't know. Trust me. <laughs> that is so true. Um, <laughs> But all right, so I'm posting right now. So I'm doing so my eyes are not where they should be on you. Um, but I'm saying this is important. Corel, how has the pandemic impact? So what were you doing when the lights went out? What was going on in your life? Hmm. Well, I was uh, actually actively not traveling as it is <laughs> anyway. So okay. that's good, because that didn't change. Um, I've been uh, voice coaching and loving not being on the road traveling. So I had just ended, as the lights went out, I just yeah. ended tour with Rob Thomas. And I have to tell you, if I had to be traveling, that was the place to do it because it was, the, playing for a year with those guys reignited my love for music, honestly. So That's it so was bad. the right people, the right way to do it, this, I mean, we all text several times a month. We're all, we're all even through this, the last 18 Aww. months, not, not even playing a note. We actually have a gig next week, actually, but not having played a note, we all still communicate. It's a family of people I love. So that was the best thing I could have ended with as far as before COVID, but I didn't have any plans to be like, what's the next thing? I've only been interested in Zoom voice coaching, frankly. Um, so that dovetailed 
as nicely as a global catastrophe could, although um, so many of my friends that I work with were musicians who were all of a sudden out of work. So of course yeah. that impacted my work. You know, it's it's all of our, we're all, it's the ecosystem just right. tanked. So it was anything but positive. Um, uh, 2019 ended on a very positive note and 2020 was looking uh, very, very, uh, I don't know, home, home, I'm going to make up a word, homeful. Instead of hopeful, it was looking very homeful for me. Um, and I still, it turned out to be very homeful, just a different, different flavor. <laughs> so, so tell us why you were happy to be working out of your house, because for some people who don't know, why were you happy to be home and off the road, Corral? Um, Well, I mean, spending time with family and not being away. There you go. Um, traveling with bands is a wonderful, uh, wonderful thing. And it was, it was one of those things that if you never get to do it and you always wanted to, then you're always like, I wish I could have, I wish I could have, I wish I could have, you know, right. you would feel burned. You'd feel burned up if you, you would feel burned up instead of burned out. You know what I mean? You'd be spinning your gears like you never got to engage the clutch and put the motor down, right? But after almost 20 years of constant travel, I think I was away from home more than I was home for almost 20 years. So, wow. no. And so for people out there who don't know, you have children. You have two yeah. little girls, gorgeous mm -hmm. girls. And so I'm, I'm assuming not just for Julie, for your wife, and I'm sure that mm -hmm. was a big part of it, but to parents, right? That was... Yeah. Well, yeah, whenever, um, whenever someone... Uh, very earnestly says to you, why don't you want to be home with us all summer? Like, <laughs> oh my God, that's not what I meant to do when I was 17 years old joining a band. So times change and flavors change, right? But luckily- um, Wow. Luckily, did, you, did, your, did your kids say that to you? Oh, oh yeah, heck yeah. And in oh, all sincerity, no. in all sincerity too, like, like bewildered. So you're like, okay, we got to reevaluate. But even though transitions take time, that transition was already underway in my heart and head anyway. So, you know, things take a minute to, you know, you can't just like stop a steamship on a dime and turn it. Things arc, right? You build one thing as things taper down. Um, so luckily for me, even before that little, uh, you know, torch went out, you know, that flare went off. Um, yeah. I was, I was angling, to you know build what i'm what i've moved into anyway so it's just a matter of how long the course takes to correct you know so uh voice coaching i totally like i'm all hyper right now in truth i am dead tired exhausted but i just had six voice sessions right before this and it leaves me feeling like i just played a gig like i'm wow freaking, i'm stoked i'm super stoked you know okay, what i mean we're, we're having... gonna talk about all this voice stuff in, in a second i i just wanted to so in other words, even if you didn't have kids, even if you weren't a married man, after all the years on the road, you were kind of ready to do something else anyway? Um, that's a hard thing to say if, because those are very uh, huge. They're huge. You know, so I don't, I mean, truthfully, like I like many musicians, like if you're on the road on a good gig, assuming you're right. with people, you know, you could be with people that really are hard to travel with. Yeah. I've been there. You could be people with that are great to travel with, and I've been there. Um, assuming you were with people that are great to travel with, if you didn't have a family, honestly, it's a great cush life. It's, great. it's awesome. <laughs> sure, every day is a Friday or Saturday, you know. Um, you know, and if it's on a if it's on a tour where you like the music and you like the people, I can't say I would. It's not like I don't enjoy playing music. It's it's right. the uh, it's just it all it's all knitted it's all been knitting together as it's been knitting together. One one thing affects the other, I think. Um, so. 
I, I have like so many questions. I don't even, I, I don't even, uh, first of all, oh. I think your sounds, I made you make your sound a little hot. Everybody tell me how, uh, by the way, Marsha says, Marsha Harvey says you are an awesome voice coach. Oh, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Dan Swanson says, hey man. And uh, all the COVID crazies are here uh, sending you love and saying hello. Oh, thanks. And so speaking of COVID crazy, so what, what did the COVID look like in the, in the Tunador household? Like, how did you guys handle the pandemic when it started? How did your life change? Um, well, we, I got one of these industrial shrink wrappers and we would just <laughs> step into it every morning. No, you're laughing. You know? I, had a, I had a body size yeah. baggie. That's how I hugged my son and my boyfriend, literally in a baggie. So yeah. it's not, no, no, seriously. I know, I know, I know, I know. What did you guys, okay, so your kids were, had already started school. Well, we don't know it all. Well, yes. So there was one day, guess what? We went to school. You know, you know, we, everyone, you know, we follow the news, but things snow yeah. pretty quickly. So one right. day we went to school and it was, okay, by the way, here's your stuff. We're like, oh, so we're not seeing you Monday? No, no, we'll, we'll, don't call us. We'll call you. It was one of those oh, things. And then, yeah, God. it's been 18 months and we're just getting back into it. Um, so, no, we just call it, you know, to, to dial down the uh, the uh, adrenaline behind it. We just called it home time. It's been home time for a while now. That's and that. Did you, did you, so how did you handle homeschooling? Who did that? You or Julie? Um, we, I don't even know how to answer that question. Like we, well, first of all, it was, it was. There was no schooling the, going on. With well, them. I mean, you know, the, the demands of, of kindergarten are different than the algebra students. So let's just say yes. that. So, yes. As best as we could is the answer. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thank You're lucky that you had kindergarten because can yeah. you imagine if you had a homeschool, the geography, the geography, like they're like in 1962, but you know, algebra, geometry, could you imagine that would have been horrific? Nope. Were you a good math student? I'll ask, I'll, I'll ask my siblings about that. <laughs> Were you a good student? Were you a good math student? Um, you know, I, I wasn't an exemplary math student, but when I had a teacher who was engaged in the process themselves, mm -hmm. I was good at it. And then when uh -huh. I didn't, I was like, I could be like down in the band room, like jamming with my buddies. This is lame. I was like, you know what I mean? So it was, it was a little bit... Uh, reactionary dependent upon the environment let's say that okay that that's fair i think i think uh, musicians as a rule though especially a multi-instrumentalist like you um your brain they say music is good for the brain for the math brain and all of that stuff right they say that they say a lot of things um i'm obviously <laughs> not the scientist but but i would say um that from what i've learned i don't i don't subscribe to the music is math specifically okay you know, we can count to eight if you're fancy you count to seven or five sure but um it's more about the spatial relations that's what i would say right playing right right, right. music is more about hey we're thinking in 3d so mm. your medium your media your, when you're playing music your your medium instead of painting on the canvas is actually time Ah, I don't know if you okay. ever thought about it like that. I'm not trying to be all silly and I'm not trying to be obvious to musicians out there too. But, but, uh, so just as a, a matter of fact, the medium for music isn't notes. That is the, that is the paint. Paint is loud air, right? Okay. The medium is actually time. Wow. So for someone to learn to play music at a young age, they're thinking spatially up and down 
faster slower as far as the amount of volume velocity faster slower as they integrate over a course of time so that's what's good for your spatial relationships development wand you lost me with you lost me a long time ago well, also i could be completely <laughs> bsing and making this up which is fair it works for me i'm using my fabulous blue oh X, by the way mm -hmm. kevin walt we love you i've um, got the i've got the encore 300 right here so there you go there you go um, <laughs> which is great by the way yeah for some reason the sound is your sound is now only coming through one of my ears i don't know what the hell is going on today i don't know I don't, either I don't know what's going on. Um, Erica Freiberger says, all your Pittsburgh oh. people send their love. Erica Freiberger. Oh, Freiberger. she is, she yeah. is um, another angel. Pittsburgh, I got to tell you what, you need to go there. You will find a home quickly amongst all the, the coolest, most creative, just ecosystem. It's awesome. Um, my uh, my boyfriend uh, from some years ago went to college in Pittsburgh, although I would, and he was a musician. And uh, uh, so uh, Tony Vincent says, I don't have a mic. I just yell. I don't need a mic. I can just yell, but I'm doing it because it Kevin tells me that I sound better out there when I use a blue microphone, a Yeti X. Yeah. Um, so, all right. So what, so did you guys, all right, you have little kids. What happened to play dates? What did you have little kids? What the hell are you doing with that? It must be crazy in your house. Well, then yeah, yeah that's a word for it. Absolutely. <laughs> how did you, how did they entertain them? Did they entertain themselves? What did you do? Um, in, uh, well, we have a trampoline now. <laughs> ah, good one. All sorts of things that I'm sometimes in the moment, like what we have, a <laughs> we have a kid sized drum set now. <laughs> oh nice so you know um not always my ideas but uh, i'm good on the making making her ideas happen as best as i can and they end up being good ideas so yeah the the uh you know anything to get the yayas out as i would say so there were no broken bones and no broken ear drums uh through the the making of that pandemic huh yeah <laughs> so far those are so are you are you grooming little musicians over there um I don't know if I would say grooming, but they they know where the piano is, they know where the guitars are, and it's just part of their environment, you know. And do they go over? Are they like playing around? Um, yes. Although, especially one thing with all that, you know, they don't want to learn piano from me. Put it that way. It's like so we can do this. No, 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 I can do it better. That, that sort of thing. That's about as quick as it goes. So um, now that it's opened up a little bit, and if we're being smart with the right people, we're I'm actively looking for a third party piano teacher, um, just to be someone who's new <laughs> into the it, it, dynamic. <laughs> Corel, it is that way. You know, my daughter is a grown woman and I was a drama teacher and she doesn't, she's an actor. She doesn't want, mm -hmm. no. Yeah. Now anything I say, the opposite. I do feel yeah. that piano kids should, I feel like every kid, if possible, should learn piano lessons though, should take piano lessons though. Absolutely. Um, and over other instruments, I know that like, you know, well, learn violin, learn this and that. Nothing's wrong. There's no wrong answers. Right. But with a piano, yeah, you have like on a violin or a saxophone or a trumpet, they're all, uh, you know, uh, single note instruments. Right. So you can get the linear things, you get your dexterity, you train the ear, all these wonderful things. Right. But on the piano, you've got the melody, you've got the bass, you've got the harmony in the middle. You There's only one of each key on a guitar. There's the same note stretched out every five frets. Same thing with cello, every, you know, every seven positions, whatever. Um, on a piano, there's only one of each note. So as a child, 
this is that note and I see how everything is interacting with each other thing. Wow. There's no, uh, there's no like, well, you could play it here. You could, well, which is it? You know, there's none of that. There's like you and you physically visually see the contrary motion counterpoint at the same time as you're hearing it. I think it's just the, the perfect instrument for a child to learn first. You know, I love that. I, I, my kids did have piano lessons for a short time and I didn't have a piano when we moved out here. I have one now that's sitting there not being played, but was, okay. So Greta, does, does Greta play? She's very musical, but again, it's, you know, it's on, on their terms right now. Well, but that's okay because yeah, there's time, there's time. You'll they, write, get the, they write, you know, acapella songs, all it's singing all day long. Acapella okay. Songs. Now how old Greta's how old and Neela's how old? How old? Seven next seven next week and four November. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So time flies. Yep. Um, so for you, piano was where you started. Yep. And, and, this is, and Suzuki piano, which is, I think another thing that I would encourage anyone. I don't know if that's what we're, if that was like the, you know, the takeaway uh, of this part of it, I think Suzuki is a method. It's a Japanese method, right? Um, where it's ear training based, but it's classical music. So you're learning the traditional harmony of you know European classical music for better or worse that that's just you know a good solid starting point um, and but they learn it by ear so you know nobody learns to write read and write by reading and writing you learn <laughs> to read and write by listening to an adult do it for years before you can make an attempt. I love that because they try to you know everything yeah. has been about going right to the book mm -hmm. and right to the notes and i yeah. it's like learning a language as well exactly. when it's conversational it's so much easier than when you're so, sitting yep. there trying to learn the grammar and all that stuff yeah. so in totally suzuki agree. they would back in the day give you a cassette or a cd or now i'm sure it's just you know download this or that but right your your homework for next week is to listen Listen to an adult playing this song 20 times a day. That's your homework. 20 times a day, wow. listen to this one song. And the adult plays it with dynamics and emotion and delicacy. And before you even try to play it, you know what it should sound like so that you're not just shooting in the dark. So now, is that how you learned? Mm-hmm. For better, you know, for, I mean, I could have been a lot better, but yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, come on. Look, look at the offshoot of it, of everything else that you do musically. But... So now, okay, explain this to me because I love this. If you're doing the Suzuki method and mm -hmm. you're listening, 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 how do you know where to put, when you're learning, how do you know where to put your hands? Well, I mean, you would listen, you would learn what it sounds like before you ever try it, but then you would work with your teacher and, you know, okay. you know, so it's system systematically, you know. So you're kind of memorizing where your hands go, but you're listening to the rhythm of it. Yeah, I mean, I don't expect a four-year-old to, you know, sit down and play the song just because they heard it. But, you know, that would be, but, but before the teacher shows you fingerings and where to go, and before you're worried about dots on a paper, you've, you know what you're actually doing, what you want it to sound like. Okay, so now from what I recall, you didn't love taking those piano lessons when you First well, doing you know, that. like any kid, you know, practice a half a day, practice, you know, 45 minutes a day, you know, what eight year old wants to do that, you know, necessarily, you know, but, um, and that's a, that's a thing that I think any parent really, it's a question, you know, is this going to be someone's career? You don't, can't know that at that age. Is it going right. to be, you know, so people have a option to make it an extracurricular or something like, you know, well, soccer practice. Well, no, you're not skipping soccer practice. You committed to this season, you're doing it. 
Right, so right. I think that, you know, if that was a choice, it would be like, no, this is what we're doing. You know, you don't have to take it forever, but, you know, this is, you do your homework, you do your practice, just incorporate it, brushing your teeth. Like, no one, does every kid want to brush their teeth every day? Maybe not, <laughs> but it's just what you do, you know? So I don't, I don't yeah. think there's a one-size-fits-all, and I certainly don't have the answers, but those are just <laughs> the ways I would think about it. No, that that totally makes sense, and I and I get it and agree. Um, so, so that's how you so when you were being parented mm -hmm. what did it look like like so did you have to sit down and practice a certain amount of yeah, hours yeah all my siblings did everyone did it was just part of part of you know your daily routine you just had to do it and, and not you, everyone hmm? and you all ended up being musical didn't you musical not everyone did it as a career at all um but everyone has all of my siblings have that sort of as part of their ear in their dialogue and can sit down and pick something out if they want to, or, you know, if they wanted to learn, they certainly could, you know, um, but uh, they're all way more successful. So there you go. <laughs> so they made the right choice. <laughs> but no, but it's just part, of, it's just part of the, you know, the dialogue of, you know, every kid doesn't want to be an athlete, but every kid goes to gym class and every kid, you know, doesn't want to be a writer, but every kid goes to the library and learns to read and writes book reports, you know, it's just part of your, I think your development, maybe. I think that's a really good. So how many siblings are there? Five total. Wow. Okay. So I know about Gilden and she's a writer. Mm -hmm. And musician and then, as well, songwriter. She's got awesome record she's working on right now, actually. Yeah. Fantastic. And mm -hmm. tell us, and your other siblings, what are they doing? Um, two of them are in DC. My big brothers are mortgage bankers. And <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. And they're yeah. going to finance my record label, right? <laughs> um, dudes. And my little brother is... Oh gosh, this is always the question. What do you do? Works with uh, anything from uh, uh, sort of uh, transgender social networks to in the prison systems to wow. helping people sort of, um, what was the name for when you get, when you're getting out of prison, exfiltration? No, I don't know. I'm just making uh, stuff now. Um, <laughs> I know. You know you, getting out and adjusting you're... to real life. Yeah, my little brother, basically, he kicks all sorts of ass on the social front, and I can't How really keep track of it. That? And that's not because I don't pay attention, because every month I'm like, so again, I just wanted to ask you, what do you do? And I just can't <laughs> keep it straight. That's no offense. <laughs> no, I, I, I love that. And that's really important work, and that's really fantastic. Yeah, I'm totally, excited totally. to hear that. Um, so, okay. So back, somebody's asking, you're jumping way ahead of me. Angela Silver Cozen is saying, what's next for you? We're not up to transitioning. Marcia says transitioning. Well, transitioning can mean a lot of things, but yes, transitioning from prison to life that, that but there is a word specifically when it's yeah. from prison to, uh, anyway, it'll come 15 seconds and I ain't waiting. Paul Williams says that it, it eventually comes. So, um, Angela, we'll get to your question about what's he going to do next. Cause we haven't talked about what he's done so far and we're going to start there, <laughs> but so, Carol, are your par <laughs> parents musical? Where, where did it all come from? All of this? Yeah. Um, yeah, my, my dad says he played when he was young, but then he was, you know, sent to the math front, you know, become an engineer. Um, and my, uh, my mom was a pianist. Um, my, I have two moms. So one is uh, played piano teaching school. Wow. And the other, uh, my, uh, my mom was a uh, organist, uh, classical organist as well. So both of them with the keys. Yep. Wow. Okay. So um, th th you were going there. There was no way you weren't going well, there. Well, I mean, I don't know. Who knows? I mean, you know, for better or worse, it's the only thing I liked doing enough to keep doing it. How's that sound? I like it. I like it. Okay. So 
So, all right, but before we get back into the whole career thing, let's go back to the COVID thing. How careful, how COVID crazy were you guys? Um, pretty, pretty crazy. Well, crazy or reasonable, huh? Well, what's our, we, where's, our, where's our slant on this, right? I'm COVID crazy. I mean, yeah. I didn't leave the house for months. You know, I, I was nuts. Mm-hmm. But so did you get, did you go shopping? Did you go to the store? Did you? Oh, no, but that's for the better. Oh, my gosh. Gro- delivering groceries. If it's something that's, you know, in your area or economically viable, it's, it is a little bit more because there's these fees and you sneak right. up. Right. But um, if it's, it's, holy crap, I don't want to go to stores. Come on. Like, I know. You know? Um, so, yeah, no, we didn't for a long time. We just hung tight and did our thing. And frankly, the certain things, you know, obviously we wish this never happened, but the certain things that aren't going to ever go back, like if you want to go to Target, you can order it and they bring it out to your car and put it in your trunk. (laughs) Kidding me? Come on now. You know, they should have done that 20 years ago, 10 years ago, you know, so, uh, so um, yeah, that sort of thing. No, I didn't, I didn't worry it didn't go out much <laughs> yeah so with a gig coming up okay so how is this have you flown yet I, I flew once for uh, a family wedding uh, in Virginia and you know obviously we you know when I went to Pittsburgh and drove down we you know quarantined and tested and the whole thing um and when was that Carell I don't know May was June, it a- May or June Oh, it was over Memorial. It was May. Yeah, end of May. So we'd already been a year into the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hadn't flown anywhere, but you know, I wouldn't. I don't know that I would have. At one point, we did drive out to Colorado to see family over Christmas at the end of 2020, and we made sure we were smart about it and respectful. You know, so we drove uh, to get out of Dodge a bit and head to the mountains. Um, But then I have flown once, and I'll fly. I'm flying again next week to New York. Um, But you know, I'll just be responsible mask up and you know do my best um and i'm you know i think before our gig everyone's there's there's protocols in place everyone's gonna do a rapid test the day before and the day of you know that sort of thing right right and so you're vaccinated i assume Mm -hmm. um so is there concern with your your with with greta going to school about well neil must be going to school too now uh yeah preschool yes yeah um you know um of course, there's concern because anything unknown. Heck, I'm I'm afraid of a freaking coffee table. So yeah, there's concern. <laughs> Do the kids have? Okay, so you guys have recently moved. Do the kids have to wear a mask at school, or is it not uh, a thing? Yeah, these ones up here, they're doing it masking in school, and that's actually I think because it's the state. That's just what the state of California is saying. So yeah, it's optional outside, but it's mandatory indoors. For is what the whole state is doing. And how do you, how are your kids with wearing masks? Do they think it's cool or does it bother no, them? No, no, nobody likes it. Who does? I mean, whatever you think of, and the, we could go down the political rabbit hole. We probably shouldn't just not only, I don't even care what people think, but like just to keep my blood pressure down, frankly, but, um, but uh, not like anyone likes it. Holy cow. Right. right. Except well, for the fact that I haven't brushed my teeth in 18. No, <laughs> no, not exactly that, but, but, you know. I don't have to get all done up as I used to, maybe, but um, but yeah, no one likes it. They certainly don't. But you know what? Another upside I think is of this whole masking thing. Like, have you had a cold in the last year and a half? No. And granted, yeah, I yeah. hope that people coming up, young kids, still get their immune, their uh, their biomes built. You know, mm. um, so there's that. But uh, yeah, I mean, people in Asia have been wearing masks with colds for generations, and it's just sensible and respectful to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Um, Obviously, the world is, this was a seismic event. So, 
there's going to be fallout in a 360-degree sphere around all of this. <laughs> Good, bad, you know, welcome, unwelcome, just what it is. So I'm, what's certainly, the... I'm certainly not the sage. We should be, uh, maybe I am. Maybe I've got it right. <laughs> Everyone out there can suck it. I've got the answers. There. That's the truth. Well, while we've got the opportunity, because we're here, everybody, I hope you're going to vote. Corel, you're voting, I assume. You're going to vote no on that recall, I hope. Oh, you know what? Um, I will vote on it, but I'll tell you the truth. I've been in day to day that um, I'm one of those people. Yeah. A friend of mine was in the was in worked at a news network a bunch of years yeah. ago. And there's actually a word that that escapes me for the demographic I fall into, which okay. is I go national news, which California recalls national news, but like I go national and world news, and right. I'm oblivious of anything on the on the on the on the local level completely. Okay, well, you so, need to get you need to get oblivious. I know, I know, I know. because uh, the the vote is like next week, and okay. uh, the de deadline is September fourteenth, and it's really important because what's happening is there's an incredible amount of democratic apathy out there. Mm -hmm. Even though we're a democratic state, we could lose this, and then the house goes down. Then everything crumbles with it, uh, and we lose abortion, and we lose we lose uh, we lose climate control, we lose all we lose gun control, we lose all kinds of rights and freedoms. So it's really important. It's a really important election. So, and, and I know it's really hard to stay political when we had to be political for four years and watch all that shit. And it's like, no, no more, no more, but we have to right now. It's really important. So I'm, I'm so get oblivious and, <laughs> uh, and, um, okay. So what kind of gig are you doing? So Rob Thomas freaked me out because there he was with Carlos on the stage oh, in New yeah. York in mm. front of 60,000 people. I know they were masking and doing everything backstage, but Jesus Christ, all those people out there, um, you're not doing one of those, are you? No, no. And by the way, Rob is abs like on pretty much every level. He is as responsible and aware, like he's not going to take advantage of a, of a, of something that doesn't feel right. So right. I don't, I don't know the details of that show in the audience, Yeah. but I know he's pretty responsible as far as that goes. Um, so no, we're doing it's a TV taping for something he has coming up uh, that will we won't be aired for a few months, like over the holidays. Uh huh. So we're just all gonna go play, a, a, you know, a half dozen songs in in a theater or somewhere that I think they changed the venue in basically for a TV taping. So it's not a show show. It's a little closed thing that'll be aired later. Cool. Well, I just want you to be safe. Oh yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. So how okay? So how do you you go into New York? It's a long flight. You got to take your mask off. You got to drink. You got to eat, right? I don't know. I don't know. I'm a camel. Yeah, I can. I can do it. You know. Good. I like that. You just shove, just stuff your face before you get on yeah, the plane exactly. and all that stuff. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I like it. All right. So let's get back to Corel. So your parents. So your parents are were musical or musical, mm -hmm. and then you start on piano. Not your favorite thing, but you do it. Well, yeah. It wasn't not my favorite thing. It was what there was. It wasn't that I, I loved playing piano or playing music. Um, you know. It's, you know, sometimes you'd rather be out running around and you had your chores to do. So it was more like that sometimes. But obviously I kept doing it enough to build some inertia. How's that? Absolutely, you did. And so when did you, how old were you when you started to read and when it started to all make sense? Um, you know, it's a little cloudy because it was, it was more than five years ago. Um, but yeah, uh, It was. But, you know, yeah, I mean, I remember, you know, it would be hard for me to say. Um, it was, you know, they you, you do it, and over the you know over the course of the first couple of years, you're reading music, and you know, it's a very disciplined study. Um, it's just more that uh, 
I was, you know, listening to all the new wave and rock and roll bands that my older brothers and sister were playing. And so, you know, um, that's kind of where I wanted to head. Okay, so <laughs> what, what was the music that had your ear when you were a kid? Like what, what excited you, what, who excited you musically? Well, you know, what's funny is that my, so obviously my older siblings were the only influences I had. Right. And or whatever friends, but it was their older siblings who were my older siblings' friends. So it's right. just that scene. So it was either my dad playing classical music and jazz only, and mm. my older brothers and sisters, you know, this was back in the whatever, Tears for Fears, Talking Heads, The Clash, like, you know, that sort of thing. So, but what's interesting though, in the pre internet bubble, um, especially in, you know, suburban Pittsburgh, whatever, it sounds crazy, but if you understand that, like, I've still not seen most of the Disney movies. Like, I've not seen Bambi, Snow White, Cinderella, and any of that classic stuff, Pinocchio. I've never, I know the stories, I know the idea. I've never seen them. Even with yeah. your kids? No. Well, now you look back and you're like, oh boy, whoa, 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 whoa. She's going to bite it. You know, we don't do, no. Um, they've, they've uh, uh, to my chagrin, seen some of the newer stuff, but um, which was not, they had not until freaking 2020 by the way we were pretty right. media free household like strictly but wow. uh that, those walls have crumbled a little bit but uh um the so back then you know if it wasn't immediately in my house you know and there was no record store within walking distance so whatever oh. they played and that, you know we tape stuff off the radio whatever so all of that you know new wave rock and roll whatever you two all the bands you would expect Right. Um, on the maybe on the cooler side, they were into. Um, but I wasn't until my second year of music school. So I'd already done a whole year of music school playing jazz and whatever. And I was like, at the time, I was like, you know, I'm playing all this jazz and saxophone, but I should probably like I didn't listen to, you know, Tom Waits and all this music, Tom Petty, and all this stuff. I should be, I should probably play guitar and sing, huh? Yeah, I probably should. It was in my second, it was at the end of my, it was the beginning of my second year of music college that I heard my first Beatles records all the way through. Oh, stop. Because <laughs> whatever this... reason, I'm going to go admonish my siblings for that. They just wasn't literally physically in the house. You weren't streaming on Spotify, it just wasn't there. So, wow. Like, the gaps, you know what I mean? I mean, we had, I had Pink Floyd. I didn't have the Beatles. We had whatever, had, you know, uh, so. Well, your siblings are even are of the next generation of me. They're of a younger generation than I am, so I kind of get it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And um, if your parents, if your parents weren't actively like my dad wasn't a pop music listener, so there you go. He right. Of the generation that would have had it, but he was more in classical world. Oh God, that really hurts. Me. By the way. But you know what? You know why it was. You know why it was good. Father's generation. Do you know why it was good? Why? Because for me, maybe not for everybody, but yeah, so right. many people have grown up with the Beatles that yeah. it's just what was playing. And they've been told, this is great, this is great, this is great. And they grow up, you know, you know. Oh, great, great, okay. But they grow up with all this. Yeah. I had been. And the downside of that is? There's no downside to that. Okay. Because now my kids are growing up with it. But. I hadn't heard any of it. And I was already writing songs with my, you know, local band in Boston. I was already playing gigs, jazz gigs, pop, whatever. And then when I had heard my first Abbey Road all the way through from start to finish, let it be all the way through from start to finish, I had already had, for better or worse, strongly formed opinions about what I liked in music. Hmm. 
And then when I heard the the Beatles records all the way through, especially the my favorite ones, I was like, holy shit, they were right. And I was able to embrace them like with fresh ears that were also more experienced. So I was able to, I think, objectively vouch for them as opposed to just being like, this is what I was told I should like. <laughs> You know, I appreciate that. And I, I, I hear what you're saying, but for me as like an eight-year-old who heard them for the first time, I didn't care what anybody, I mean, I knew what I liked. It didn't yeah. matter what anybody else was telling me. Well, yeah, that's, so, that's, but that's because it's also objectively great. So you were right. Because it's objectively great. That's right. right. I mean, it's just, really hard to find yeah. fault with the Beatles, mm -hmm. yeah, with, their, exactly. with, their music, with their music anyway. Um, so, okay. So, so you didn't start playing guitar until your second year of music. So wait, so you're playing piano, but I know there were other instruments involved. I mean, I just kind of, got... honestly, I was, uh, I just bopped around, is the truth. Um, you know, I played, grew up playing piano, played some in bass in some rock bands, played saxophone in high school, just just what a kid would do, nothing crazy, you know? Well, um, so how did you, but didn't you do like orchestra and stuff in school that you like? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I played saxophone for that stuff because that's just what okay now wait from what i recall you couldn't get the saxophone just like i couldn't get the flute and yeah, you that, had yeah, to start junior. with something else yeah oh i started with you know with like fifth grade clarinet didn't really yeah. love it seventh grade tuba didn't really love it <laughs> yeah. and then it, when i was in eighth grade they let me play saxophone and my and, and this is like i was saying i bopped around but my music teacher mr roland my high school music he might maybe he's watching for all we know clem he's i mean he's influenced some of even where I came from in Pittsburgh, like some of the greatest players in town were his protégés and now his peers, you know, he's very, still very active playing. He is he's one of the most influential teachers I have, you know, because of his theory classes in high school. When I went to music college, I tested out of like two and a half years of college just based wow. on what I learned in high school. Wow. And, and that wasn't like my kid piano lessons. That was this one specific teacher. Um, Tell me his name again. Clem Roland. He's probably on the friends list somewhere. He's awesome. You, you love him. He's great. Um, He's, it's, so, it's really important to shout out teachers who have yeah, this kind heck, of yeah. impact. And I've told him that, but I've told him that many times. Um, you know, he's extremely influential. Um, and he would always deliver his information as a peer. Like, yeah, you know, some teachers try to be cool. Like, hey, kids, I've got a new haircut. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> isn't this what was on the cover of Teen Vogue? You know what? I don't even know. I'm going to shit up. But like, he was a guy who was just like, hey, man. Hey, so I played a gig the other night. Oh, you should have been there. Oh, you know, as a teacher, wow. but he was sincere. So he would take me out at age 16 and, you know, we'd go sit in with his band at the local restaurant pub gig when he would do that gig wow. that my folks could get me into, you know, so he was very influential. Wow. Um, I love that. Oh, and, and you're that kind of teacher, I'm going to assume that. Uh... Oh, I'm not, no, no way. Like, <laughs> I mean, ask Marsha, you... ask Marsha. Come on, Marsha. Marsha, you can't say Marsha without thinking of the Brady Bunch, right? Is it possible? It's not even possible. And another one of your fr uh, friends is saying something here. You had, you and Jeff had Van Halen. Who just said that? Mandy oh, that said that. Oh, Mandy Newport. Yeah, her big brother Jeff was my one of my best friends for a long time. We, uh, we, uh, he introduced me to Van Halen. And years later, when I got to hang out with Eddie Van Halen, I hey, we hadn't spoken to Jeff in a long time. We don't, you know, we hadn't been. You know, right. you know where, there's life, you know what I mean? But, but right, uh, right. Um, and, and I was like, oh, you know, yeah, I texted him immediately. <laughs> I was like, dude. And, and, and that was something, you know, it wasn't like something like to trumpet everywhere, but I was just like the one guy who I grew up with was like, wow, you will get this because you know what that's meant to us when we were in eighth grade, dude. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it was, did you, uh, yeah. What's did that? Did you tell that to Eddie? 
No, no. <laughs> you had to be cool with Eddie. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So, so you, so how did something, okay. What is, what would you say is your primary instrument? Cause you've got a lot. Well, what's your primary instrument? Well, this now. is where you have to trust me where I'm not being self-deprecating. I'm being <laughs> the way I feel it is just honest. I don't, okay. I mean, I guess I would say like strumming acoustic guitar and writing songs and singing. Okay. How's that? Yeah, um, I take that. My primary interest in, uh, instrument would just be maybe my voice as a singer, I guess, especially since I'm teaching it, you know? Yes. Singing and songwriting is the one thing that has always been sort of, when I discovered it, always had my heart. And everything else is just tools to get there. Like, I'm not going to go play the jazz piano gig. I would not hire myself for that. I'm not going to go shred in the metal band on guitar. I wouldn't hire myself for that if I had a choice to, you know? But I can or at least so far have been able to- Doug break. says slide whistle is your primary I'm instrument. actually pretty, do I have a slide whistle? I don't think I have that. Slide whistle. Doug, what Doug is that? It, Doug, uh, Corey. Oh, Corey? Doug, yeah, oh, Corey? he knows. He, he's got some stories to tell that guy. He is a rapscallion of a front man. Um, and I played some duct tape in his band. Oh, hysterical. Yeah, so, so to me, like they're all tools and I'm, uh, I, I somewhat, uh, let's say this, if you had to describe my technique, yeah, I wouldn't say I'm a virtuoso. I would say I'm more hedge clipping. Oh, you know, you're, <laughs> you are so self-deprecating. No, okay, no, it's, 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 in the scheme of things, you go yeah. ask Lauren Gold. In the scheme of our friends that you and I have. Uh, Lauren says hi, by the way. Oh, no doubt. Oh, great. And so, you, so does like, Snuffy Walden. You get hello oh, from my people. God. See, yes. like, so you mean online or in general? In, in general? No, they, sure. they told me to tell you. Oh, great. Thanks. Yeah, so, yeah. Although, like those guys, Yeah. I would, I put, uh, even though Snuffy can put some grit into it, you think he's like, he's just on the edge, but his technique is boom. Yeah. He's there. Lauren, of course, is freaking next level pianist, right? I'm absolutely not those guys on any one instrument, but I bring, but I kind of like, look at okay what does the song need flavor wise that's not happening now and can i make that part happen and so i'll bring in whatever tools i need hopefully with good tone hopefully with good taste and touch and feel and empathy to the songwriter to sort of put your parts in there so that's right. one of the biggest tools is like can you can you create treat someone else's songs as if it was yours i love that and so I think I'm like overly empathetic and I have enough skills to be dangerous and, uh, and moderately employable as far as being a hired uh, and, musician. And so, <laughs> so when you get hired, Corel, and I know you've, you've done a lot of different music and a lot of genres and we're going to talk, we're going to go through them, but primarily, what would you say you have been like saxophone, keyboard player? What are you primarily yeah, yeah, hired as? Yeah, like usually the keyboard guitar singer. So, um, it, I, I'm not really a sports guy, but if I was a baseball player, I'd probably be shortstop where it's like, who this, where's the hole in the, where's the hole? Like someone's playing bass, someone's playing drums, someone's playing the guitar. And then there's these five other parts on the record that aren't being done. So, so I pick the, pick the most important ones and, and put them into the song. So I've usually been like the, just the multi. You're the you know, utility. Um, exactly. Yeah, exactly. The fluid, as I, I said last time, the fluid instrumentalist, but Okay, so let's say when you go in the studio with people mm -hmm. um, and you can do all of these instruments, what what are you most likely to do in the studio, would you say? 
That's a good question because the way, especially with the economy, is I'm not like a hired studio gun guy, right? Okay. Because mm -hmm. everyone that would be, you'd hire just the keyboard player who's got the 30 vintage synths and the play, and then you go, you know. The, so I, when I'm in the studio with people that I'm in the, my best element, it's when it would be like a film scoring session, uh -huh. and you're like, okay, there's a toy piano, there's a clave, there's a, you know, the. So it'd be again what I bring to any band. It's like what does the production need? I love so, that. If you want to, if we want to program a hi hat to like this would be the part though. So I'm more of a thinking of, uh, I think I have a di I have a really strong sense of melody, mm -hmm. and I think I have a really strong sense of texture. Mm -hmm. So again, like in the studio, I wouldn't hire myself to like, hey, we're throwing down, I don't know, what, I don't know. Let's just say we're throwing down a bunch of keyboards for the next Bruno Mars record. I wouldn't hire myself for that per se. But oh, like, you are well, hard on yourself. No, I'm just, well, okay, I'm just being honest with what I would hire yeah. myself for. I would say like, hey, we're sketching out a bunch of demos that are going to turn into the record and we're just, we're creating the piece. I would rather be involved on that level where it's like creating something with someone like, if you're a studio guy, hey, here's the part, create it, as opposed to maybe being in the genesis of something. I'm just telling you where my, my I, I feel like I'm of most value. Um, you know, certainly people send me stuff and I throw keyboard parts down them send him back. Uh, some, a person, a client was sending me um, his record and wasn't super good at creating harmonies, vocal harmonies. Mm -hmm. So I did a whole guy's record where they sent me stems of the, you know, you know, tracks of the record right. and the lead vocal. And uh -huh. I would sing like a mini choir and all the harmonies, the verse and the chorus and send them back to them. Then he would sing them all in his own voice, uh -huh. but he didn't know how to compose them. So I think I'm better on that level, like actually melodically creating and texturally adding things as opposed to, you know what I mean? I so get if you. I was, if we were, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go to myself for heart surgery, but I might go to myself <laughs> for a holistic wellness plan that is maybe prevented, <laughs> preventing the surgery because we just had the, the ergonomics in place. Is that I love that. Seeing way too many metaphors? No, I real I, okay. I I totally get that and I'm coming yeah. to you for holistic uh, treatment next week. Okay. Um so so vo so voice when when did you realize that you could say how did voice happen? Did you are you tr a trained vocal? I mean now you um, are. I would but, think I'm a trained now. Um but uh yeah, so I was playing in bands and luckily the first real band that I played with when I went to Boston, I was playing saxophone and this is back in the day when, you know, the jam band scene was coming up and, you know, oh, yeah. um, so having a saxophone in a bar band was just, okay, we have one, you know, it was a horn, but it you don't want a saxophone on every song. So I started playing acoustic guitar and, you know, the guys in the band that I was playing with, which were just a couple years older than me at the time, or, uh, there was a lot of harmonies and of course I could sing on pitch, but I'd never really gigged singing. So uh -huh. I got to play in a band with some buddies who were really encouraging hmm. and, um, and actually, Bill Guerra is now that he's one of the GMs at the Paradise Rock Club in Boston, and he's he's a, still a good buddy and good close friend of mine. JT, the drummer, is still a good close friend of mine. The guys in my band were really encouraging, as I was just like a few years younger than them. But when so you're now, like, well, when what you're stage like seven, of your life is this? How old are I'm you? I'm like 18, 18 okay. or 19. Uh -huh. you know? So I started just singing harmonies on the microphone in the in the bars. But you know, it's a great way to have real world, you know, real world training of how you know how do you work a mic how much gain do you how much how much signal do you send through the mic that it's going to cut through the bar and you're gonna be able to hear yourself and is it are you over singing are you under singing? all those real world things i just you know did for years and we would have you know pretty for the time for our age for the time pretty intricate harmonies and it was pretty tight uh what we were doing vocally so and i'd already obviously been a musician and i right. knew what parts would work so i was active in what we were doing 
but I was the least experienced vocalist out of the three vocalists we had in our band. So luckily I had two guys in a band with who were just a few years ahead of me who were both singing leads and I would just basically became a strong, you know, you know, background harmony, harmony singer mm-hmm. at an ensemble and then started singing lead from there with those guys. And so at what point did you start studying? I, I know you had to study voice because you teach voice. So at what point did this become like a, an instrument for you? Well, I only had voice lessons a couple of times. Um, once in Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh, our friend Beth Klaus and all my friends like Erica, everyone knows <laughs> this woman, Beth Klaus, and she's my voice, first voice teacher. She's mm-hmm. she's just an energizer bunny of sunshine and vitamins, right? <laughs> so I took voice lessons with her, uh-huh. um, you know, long time ago. And that was the first like, okay, I was like singing in my our bands, right? But it just sort of helped me level up a bit where I was like, okay, the difference between, you know, certainly I, I'm a lot better now than I was then, but that's just because I've been singing for, you know, ever since, right? So mm-hmm. she's the first person who helped me sort of just sort of get in touch with it uh, on a different level of like, I don't know, maybe like, you know, just fixing up your posture, really sending it, you know? Um, right. I mean, that metaphorically, you know, we would talk about posture, of course, but I, I mean, <laughs> yes. in, a, in, a, in a sense of, um, she really was the first person to help me focus on it in a different way and level up. Um, and then I just kept gigging and, you know, I moved out to LA and obviously, and I wasn't taking lessons through all those years of traveling. Um, there's a couple of times I went to, you know, some of the celebrity voice coaches out here and did some lessons, but it never really stuck. And then when, uh, when I was playing with the goos and Johnny introduced me to his voice coach, Dave, who you and I've talked about Dave Stroud, who mm-hmm. that was when it was, when I met him, it was, again, it was, Hey Vicky, it was game changing. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it was, um, he was the first person I, I met in, in, in my like actual professional life out here that was not only doing it at a high level mm-hmm. that he's at, but in an empirically high level too, science-based informed through study and reading and constantly learning. And so he taught me about teaching and about how the voice works in it. So I'd taken voice lessons with Beth as a singer, you know, back in the day. And then I sang for, for a long time. And so she set me up on a trajectory to be a good singer. Right. Or at least, you know, a, a better, get better and better and have the tools to sort of self-improve. And then when I met him, I was able to, oh, now let's look at relationships in a different way as well. And that was like to become a actual teacher was the intent when I started working with him to get in the get-go. Because um, I don't know, like at that point, I'd always been sort of the guy in the groups that I would play with who was very harmony based and very, you know, oh, we're ending our word. When you sing together, are we ending our words at the same point? Or, and it's not always ver- verbal. I'm just saying that a lot, oftentimes when I would be hired to sing with people with different groups mm-hmm. or different, you know, acts around town, there would more often than not be favorable, wow, we really sang good together. But you might be a singer songwriter female you might be a blues guy you might be a this or that but i'm able to sing with different people is it turned out really well and it's only because again it's the empathy and the attention to detail whether it was conscious or not but if someone's saying love and you're saying laugh it's how are we shaping our vowels together and are we ending together and if if you're singing you know i don't know uh tune a door like my life you know well one the lead singer is going to sing that t people singing with them might sing it more as a d because you don't need you know so i was just i'm just been in that zone all right i have a bunch of follow-up questions on this since we're here and by the way toba's saying can you teach 
over Zoom and you can. Yes. That's all I do. I haven't seen a- That's all a you do. Client. Yeah, that's all I do. And I love it. By the way, I was in Colorado and Pittsburgh and Virginia. I'm in Ojai now. <laughs> I haven't, I, Zoom is, is Zoom. The good thing about voice, and, and by the way, so to back up just a second. Yeah. And when I met um, Dave Stroud, who, who taught me, who got me started and is, has been more gracious than I could have ever imagined with the with his knowledge and also like introducing me to a whole network of people who were voice teachers around the world who were wow at the empirical you know and then there's this group called vocology and practice that I work with that I'm I, I work on the board with and you know these people that I've been introduced to uh, through Dave it's been it's it's been everything I could have ever dreamed of as far as it's not a pedagogy it's a bunch of people all have experts in their areas. There might be a, someone who's like really into the breathing mechanics of the breathing and the way the intercostals interplay with this and, and then efficiency and airflow resistance. And then someone else is very much into the science of you know, neurological learning and someone else is very much into performance. You know, so there's all these, there's this ecosystem of voice teachers uh, that I've been lucky enough to meet who it's just a wealth of knowledge. So I'm just, you know, doing my best to be the eternal student of that stuff and hopefully, you know, glean some of off as it comes. Um, as we I help. Okay, so now, Corel, can you teach someone to sing? Um, well, that's almost an intentionally loaded question. The way it is, it's a, it's a very intentionally loaded question because um, I'm just wondering, let's say, Somebody said, by the way, when you were doing your voice before, that it sounded like Jerry Lewis, which is very funny, Linda. So let's say somebody comes to you and they don't particularly have what we would call off the shoot, you know, out of the shoot talent. Um, what do you do with someone like that? Can you teach someone okay. like that? Um, almost always, yes. Now there is wow. uh, there is a <sighs> okay. There is a such thing as what you would call tone deafness, right? And different people have different names for it. Um, Tony just asked, can you fix pitch problems? Absolutely. Which is, but yeah, but it's not like you turn a switch. And, by, and to back up again, because we didn't get to answer okay. that, I have yeah. this OCD thing about like not leaving. Like if you text me and I don't get back to you, I swear to you, and at some point I will, because it will be a pee under my mattress. But I, I'm works, that way too. Zoom works great for voice lessons. Okay. It works perfectly because even if we were in person, if you yeah. play the guitar and someone isn't, if they're playing a D chord and doesn't, you can go to them if you're in person and say, oh, see, you were muting the string Ding, and it plays. You can't right. do that through Zoom. You have to be like, right. no, no, no. see your middle finger, stand it up, you're touching. Uh. Guitar for a beginner is more challenging on Zoom, I find. Mm -hmm. But in voice, if you and I were in person doing voice, I can't physically manipulate the inside of your larynx anyway. Right. So it's, trial error play repetition repeat listening i mean you can certainly you know manipulate someone's body cavity or whatever you know help but that's a little bit less consequential yeah than but the then fact. it can become a whole me too thing and then you have a yeah, whole nother i know that, 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 that ship has sailed i know um um <laughs> yeah I, i'm gonna go on a string of like you know <laughs> write some bad puns of dad you know limericks about this stuff but uh um voice lessons before the uh, the new era but uh <laughs> Uh, pre-woke, anyway, let's get back on point here. Yes. Point is on Zoom, voice yes. lessons work great. Really. Okay, great. so uh, let's get back to how do you, if somebody okay. comes in and they're tone so, deaf, what the hell do you do? Okay, so if someone is, uh, there's there's not a study that I know of that can physically measure, like if there are people that are physically colorblind, 
their rods okay. and cones are set up differently or, you know, in a different way that they don't see colors as we right. think the same way other people do. So there's a physical thing of colorblindness. Right. Then there's people like me okay. who I'm not colorblind, but if you ask my wife, I am, because if you were to show me, and she, you know, a little bit in chess, but like if you were to show me the difference between fuchsia and magenta, I'd be like, they're pink. <laughs> and she or someone who's a designer might be like, no, they're not. This is fuchsia. This is magenta. It's it, it's acknowledging the gradation between things and being able to right. pinpoint what makes them different, right? So okay. if you're thinking pitch, uh, did you hear me go up there? Yeah. Those could be perceived as two separately different notes, or they could be perceived as one sort of area of noteness. You know what I mean? So it's a matter of how discerning are you in your in your being able to hear the small differences, right? So friends of mine who have been teaching for say 30 plus years. Okay. A couple of times I've asked, how many people have you had in here that you think were actually tone deaf? Ah. And this is, I've asked this a couple of people kind of on purpose over the years. Mm -hmm. And we're talking people who've been teaching voice for 30 plus years who've seen, right. I don't know, how, how, do you, how do you calculate 10,000 students between them? I don't know, I don't, I don't know, you know, I wouldn't know, but let's say, can we say a shit ton? <laughs> we can a, say a, a shit, ton. shit ton of clients between them. And I've asked sort of just, so out of all the clients you've seen, how many would you think are actually tone deaf? And they would say, I don't know, maybe one or two. Wow. But a lot really? of people, right. And then there's another study I would get to with uh, someone else um, had done a study though, where they think that maybe they called amusia. There's a term called amusia. Um, maybe as much as 10% of people are a musical or 5% or 3%, whatever it is. It's, it's, it, there's a, there's a large, there's a large, I, I, you're putting me on the spot now. I'm, I'm totally blanking. You, we, 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 we're not going to hold you to the, to okay. the, to well, the that's actually, since it's my trade, I should remember, but it's a, it's a presentation <laughs> that we had done a few weeks, about a, six weeks ago. Um, I'm just forgetting the percentages, but let's say, let's say 5% of people are potentially tone deaf in a sense that maybe okay. they don't hear the different, the pitches don't pitch difference doesn't resonate in the same way on the same right. operation. Um, a lot of those people might not be drawn to singing, therefore might not find their way into voice lessons in the first place. So the voice teachers uh, skew on the amount of people might not be accurate to the real world. It's only accurate to the population who says, I really want to sing. This is important enough to find out a, to find a private voice teacher. Mm. How do you how do you parse those demographics? That's it. That's a that's a good question. But of the people that I know and the people that I've worked with on my own, I've had people come to me who, by all accounts, you may have thought were tone deaf or so. They sing in almost a monotone, and you like, uh, uh. But with patience and time and loving the process, I've absolutely had people who a year later, 100% singing tunes and hearing the difference in pitches. But as again, it's like, you would have to train me. Okay, is teal is teal different than turquoise? You tell me, because I don't <laughs> yes, know. Yes, it is. I don't know that. To me, they are both teal coise, turquoise, tur turquoise, turquoise <laughs> teal, right? You would have to sit with me honestly, and we'd have to be patient, and you'd have, you'd have to sense a humor about it and enjoy the process for me to understand the difference of which one has more blue, which one has more green. I personally see them more in a, like the bullseye isn't as pointed when my color differentiation. The bullseye, Interesting. The bullseye is so, a little more of a hand grenade. So Corel, let's say no? you get, <laughs> that's funny. Let's say you get somebody and they're off pitch when they come. How do you, how do you address it I mean, you're not going to say, hey, you're out of tune. How, how do you how do you 
keep someone feeling good about themselves and keep them moving forward when they've got some challenges that they're probably that they might not be aware of. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Um, I think that the, it's just about how are you looking at that metaphor because everyone has challenges they're not aware of. And that's what we all have blind spots. And that's probably so it's a matter of to what degree so and what are they? So I think you look at it just like anything else, you know, so well, how are you going to address it? You can them? do different things. You can, uh, first of all, you might want to start for this is just hypothetical. Every problem right. case is probably gonna be different. Of but course. Um, you might want to start with pitch matching closer to their sp natural speaking tone in the first place where they're already doing it. Because if someone is speaking, if someone speaks down here, right? Hey, 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 but I'm hovering around a B. Well, I'm not gonna be like, Oh, didn't you get that? You know, we might be more like, uh, 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 just a process. You want to start, do your best to start. Oh, my brother's calling me to uh, tell me what the word is to get out of prison. Extrapolations. I'll ghost him. Tell him to tell ghost him. Text me. I'm on TV. Text it. I'm on TV. Look at that face being like, you don't ghost me. You don't ghost me. Um, yeah, he looks scary to ghosts. I know, I know. Um, so uh, <laughs> you, you'd want to start with where they are doing. What they are doing? And work from there. In other so, words, what they're doing right. Which, what yeah, they're doing right? Exactly, exactly. Okay. And people mm -hmm. learn better with, it's not just a be nice thing, but people learn better physically, neurologically by reinforcing what they're doing and letting Absolutely. that inertia lead. So telling someone, nope, nope, nope. I don't, I mean, I don't talk like that in general. Um, right. But um, it's like, okay, okay, let's do it like that one. Did you hear that one? That was, uh, uh, that was it. Did you hear it? That was it. So that's good. I like and, that. And another thing that, by the way, people who are singing pitchy a lot of times, what I've yeah. noticed um, uh -huh. is say someone's playing a, uh, well, that's out of tune. That's sharp. Uh, sometimes people will sing a little bit out of tune. And I think it's in an effort because if, if you're right, perfectly in tune, the notes disappear into each other. Huh. Uh, so if you're singing to a track or with a band or with your guitar, if uh -huh. you're perfectly in tune, your voice might blend in a little bit because you're perfectly in sync. I but see. Riding in single file, then, uh, uh, you hear my voice and we hear, hear how it disappears. Uh, When it's more in tune, it blends into one thing. And that can be uh, sort of not even consciously, but uh, I, I don't think consciously, but it can be maybe disorienting for someone to disappear into the thing. Cause then like, where'd I go? I, and they, sometimes I feel like people will, will who, are, who are new to it, will sing a little bit off. Like my accordion, accordions are tuned to 442 usually instead of 440, 442, 443, okay? Um, two theories on that one was because that was just like before standardization regions had their own pitch centers but they still make accordions like that when you play them in an ensemble accordion being two cents sharp pops out of the ensemble a little bit more you know you're our, my second accordion you're our second accordionist uh, -oh. uh in in this phil parla piano do you know phil mm -mm. he's he's a wonderful uh accordionist and he's mm. uh he's like the go-to guy when they need an oh, accordionist great. on tv oh, and stuff they, they 
that you got to yeah. call. For. Well, you can play it though. Well, See, yeah, I but, think- but, but again, like I, I'll record my tunes and I'll add accordion on the bridge, and, but, but don't hire me for the polka, please. You know, it's not going to happen. <laughs> We're not going to do that. Okay. Um, but, uh, but you know, accordion is great for morning radio shows where it's a one acoustic guitar. You bring your accordion, you got the bass and the chords there, two people singing. It's a great tool. But, uh, but interesting. Um, I'm, I'm not, I'm no weird owl. I'm just weird. But, um, but I, I but, think it's really great, though, that people can hire you, especially to tour, that you can do, you can, you are a multi instrumentalist. You can fill so many spots, you know, with one guy. They only mm-hmm. got to pay the one guy. Yeah, instead comes of, in handy. Comes in handy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, but as far as singing in tune, basically, yes. it's find the common ground, find where they're starting from, find music that the person loves and wants to keep. You have to keep just be, be engaged. You just have to enjoy the process, and you have to find the right, uh, maybe it's not the right word, but the right metaphor, the right tool for, you know, engagement. Um, Can you, you teach somebody on, how to harmonize, Corel? If, that is a challenge, but yeah, but yeah, for sure. You know, okay, uh, not not by giving them their part, but can you teach somebody to learn to find their part? Yes, and that is unless if someone has a surefire method out there, please let me know. I've done this with people quite a few times where like mm-hmm. that's the goal of our lessons. Um, oh, and it's not a one size fits all thing in my experience, and I wish maybe I had a better way. But there's mm-hmm. there's things about it. One is I'm a, I'm a passionate about teaching ear training in general. Uh-huh. Um, so I do have what I have, like sort of my own standardized method, which came, of course, from Clemerell and my high school teacher. But I've, you know, I've sort of codified what I what I use with people to teach ear training. So I have an mm-hmm. uh, intervallic ear training method that I would use with people to differentiate, like so. Uh, 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 singing the note, knowing what, like I'm sing, I know what note I want to hear before I play it. I can measure the distance, just intervals. It's it's you know it's just music stuff, right? But um. For someone who wants to sing harmonies and hasn't ever been able to harmonize, getting to understand the distances is huge. That's a good first step. It's, and that's a long process, but that's the first, that's first step. Then a lot of times people have trouble singing harmoni- harmonies because as soon as some, they sing their part, as soon as the lead singer starts, they go right to them. It's like a magnet. So you have to <laughs> sort of, you have to sort of uh, be able to, I would like to have people learn the lead part dead cold learn a harmony part it might be just maybe at first you are teaching them here's the part to this song right learn right the harmony part and then be able to sing them both dead cold and then you have to be when you play music you have to listen but you also have to be like a bulldog with what you're doing you know what i mean mm. the drummer who's great they're solid right they're solid they're listening to everyone around them they hear someone rushing or messing around or playing a avant-garde solo they're not unaware of that, but they're not following that person. They're bulldog. They're keeping it down. So a harmony singer has to be confident and like a train on the tracks with what they're doing, even while they're being aware of the other person. So there's there's multi many things going on. Um, I like that explanation. People that have have challenges singing harmonies. I love teaching, but but I've done it with people, and you know, someone would come over back before COVID. I had I had a person who was coming several times a week for for sessions at my studio, and we would do two hour sessions. And on it, we would just pick a song and we would, he would learn the lead, he would learn the harmonies and we would just like, he would sing the harmony, harmony, I would start to quietly sing the lead, he would jump to me, okay, stop, or keep going, sing the harmony. And then we got to a point where he was confident enough where I could come in with the lead loud as him and he wouldn't get knocked off track. It was not a one, one-stop one shop process. 
I got and everyone, you. everyone's challenges with doing it might be different. So again, if someone, anyone out there has a method for teaching harmonies, let me know because um, I would be curious what that is. I would love to learn it. But, but for me, it's been a process of, okay, what is your challenge with it? You know, uh, and let's, let's go piece at a time. And, and does that make sense? It makes total sense. I'm thinking of myself, you know, I sing what I know, what I hear, right? So if I've heard the harmony, I can sing the harmony because I remember it you know, I'm more likely to, to move towards the lead, right? Because I'm not a singer. So I, I've just pretended to be one on stage a few times, but I, it's not what I do. So I'm like, I'm curious, is this something I could learn to do um, yeah. on my own, you know, once I'm trained? And so yeah. I, I think that's fascinating. Yeah, I think so, for sure. Um, mm -hmm. You know, again, we've, we've started like 10 different tangential conversations each of we which have. each of which is its own lecture series by some accredited expert so you know i take this not as me giving you answers as much as my perspectives on things that i'm still that's all i'm interested always, in right always now. learning always learning about you know and i love uh, that and what we didn't do yet corel and i don't know if, if you've thought of one yet but we've done all this so far and you haven't even like sang a tune for us, which I think oh. this would be a perfect time. I don't like no, singing. No, come on. No, so, um, so give us, so give us a Corel Tunador tune. This is, Alinda said, this is a Corel's masterclass. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. Um, hey, by the way, how long are we hanging by the way? Is, is, I don't know. I, I okay, don't have limitations, but yeah, whatever we okay, want. Whatever we want. Okay. Like I was telling you, like I've been in such, I've been moving, I haven't been like, like I'm so, like, oh wow, I've got songs. That's kind of fun. Um, so I know you're looking at your songs right now. I'll keep talking to you while you do that. So how has the move been? Is it a nightmare? Moving's a pain in the ass. Yeah, let's keep it. Let's keep it positive here. Come on now. Okay. Don't ask me about that. <laughs> All right, we won't talk about that. <laughs> we won't uh, go there. Well, say hi to Zoe Moon though. Zoe is uh, the reason that. Is she here? Is she I, here? I hope so. I don't. You know, it doesn't show me who's on anymore. They Facebook. Okay. By the way, would everybody who is with us right now, would you um, put follow in the chat? Zoe follow Zoe if, Moon if you want to definitely astrologer. follow Zoe Moon, the uh, quint quintessential astrologer in the world. Um, yeah, she's crazy good. It's crazy. She's fabulous. You she's don't even scary. have to like or believe in astrology, but if you hire her for a session, you will believe in astrology. Put it that way. Yeah, she's yes, she she's it's it's scary what she knows, what the Zoe knows and what she can see. Yeah. Um, if you would let me know if you got a notification for this uh, broadcast, because I'm I'm Facebook fuckery is taking me down. And I just want to know if anybody I know it only went to friends. So probably only if you're a friend of mine. And also, you know, give some love to Corel. What there's like, what, like no like like and love this. You people out there just do that. Gives Corel some love. And what was the other thing I was going to ask you guys? The question I forgot. No tomorrow. Oh, no tomorrows. Marsha's asking for no tomorrows. Aww, that's nice. I like that song. I do I too. You know what's funny? Sometimes what? you record a song and you barely ever play it. Yeah. <laughs> is, there, is there one that you, is no tomorrow? Not no yeah. tomorrows. Is really? No, I don't really. Yeah, exactly. Wait, I, what I, was I, that? What's that create the ballad song? Not the ballad song. The, 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 oh, the town the, of artichoke. Yeah. That's the town of artichoke. Oh my God. I used to always make you play that for me. I love that song. That's good. Um, 20 minutes. And uh, I know it's a long, it's a long tune. Um, uh, we fucking like and love this word. <laughs> um, 
So, well, I don't mean just don't tell me that you're liking and loving it. Like and love it on the thing. Click, click the thing so Carell gets the love and let me know if you got a notification. And if you weren't, if you aren't my Facebook friend, if you got a notification, which I don't think that's possible. Um, so Carell, yeah. while you're looking for a tune to, to uh, so when, what was your, when you were first hired, your first professional gig, what were you hired as and what, band was you mean, it you mean like back in college or back in la or what, what you was your, the first time that you got paid to be a musician you were joining a band you were getting paid what what I instrument mean, were you hired to play and what band time, was it? the first time i was paid to play yeah would have been you know some mediocre subpar performance jazz gig in boston or, or in pittsburgh i used to play gigs in pittsburgh and i'm not saying i'm not saying i'm saying that i was a kid like uh, I mean, like mediocre in that way. Like I certainly was not gonna be going on tour anytime soon. But it was, you know, hey, our band's playing. Let's let's book, let's book a gig at the bar. And so my I was lucky always, especially back in Pittsburgh. Like I had a generation of people ahead of me who were not just my teacher, right. but the people who were my brother's ages who were gigging. You know what I mean? Um, who would say, hey, yeah, you play. Let's come play some gigs. So I'd be like, oh, cool. I got to learn 20 songs. I'll go play some solos. So I play jazz gigs. And, you know, I couldn't even tell you what we would made. Maybe I made 20 bucks. Maybe I made 50 bucks. I don't even, I don't even remember. It's, it's in constant. It, it, it would have been irrelevant, you know? Right. But, but, but the first time gigs. that you played and it was like, this is a professional. Yeah. Like a step up from yeah. just like a little yeah. gig. Well, I, I mean, for those, those have been a step up from me not playing gigs. So they, they certainly <laughs> were life and death. <laughs> no, they, they were, count. They were, yeah, they were, I mean, you take each gig as life or death, you know what I mean? Like this is the only thing that exists and this is real. I don't care. I was having this conversation with a client the other day too. Um, gosh, what was the context? But, uh, oh, I have a client who is, well, is he on Gibson, Musisco? He's freaking ridiculously good. And he is, I think 16. Um, wow. And he played a gig, he played, he's played a few gigs and he played a gig that was really well attended and then he just played a gig the other day uh, at uh, like an arts thing outside. And he's like, he said, well, you know, I mean, there was really no one there, you know, so whatever. It wasn't like, I was like, no, 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 no. That is the shit. Absolutely. Playing gigs when you're starting, every gig is do or die. And he played, I know I wasn't there, but he, I know he played his heart out. It was do or die. Just destroy the audience, you know, even if there's wow. not three of them, you know. Um, mm -hmm. And you play gigs like that coming up. And by the time you've played 100 gigs, you've had 100 glitches that next time they come up, you know, they're not raising your adrenaline. You're like, oh, that again. Yeah, the monitor went out. I'll just listen to the mains, you know, all these things. So people getting invaluable experience. It doesn't uh, the gigs I played when I was that age were just as important because mm -hmm. they were always one step ahead of what I was doing before, you know. Right, so right. Every gig is is pretty darn important, whatever your level. Um, I, I didn't mean to but, undermine okay. the importance. Wait, okay, before, okay, we can, before we continue with your career, play something. Oh gosh, okay. Play Honestly, something. to tell you the truth, I will pretend like again, just like just like whenever it, the the truism, if you're gonna play like um, like like it's life or death, if no one's watching, right? Well, I mean, you kind of have to be cavalier when lots of people are watching too. That's easier said than done. Mm -hmm. So I honestly don't know what to play, and I wasn't <laughs> even like I was like I was just teaching all day and um let's see here so while you're figuring it out so so wait you're getting a lot of love here um judy says judy williams says she loves you Aww. and uh she's my mother-in-law that's why Aww, look at that. <laughs> she's actually obligated <laughs> 
Good gig. <laughs> all right, so here, check it out. Here's a song. Yeah. I'll say this. Since all I can see is you, I'll pretend there's no one here because I swear I haven't played. This is just a song. I like it because I like the words. I haven't played this song in probably a decade. Wow. But it was from uh, my old band. I wrote this, uh, I don't remember, like when, a long time ago. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I honestly, I, I will be surprised if I remember it, but who cares? How's that sound? <laughs> it sounds great. And I'm going to go away because I'm going to make you the full screen right now. Oh, so dear Lord. See. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> this song, and we're just going to play one song and then come back. Is that what we do? Yeah, we're going to play one song okay. and come back. So it's just, I'm just playing this because it's short and uh it's rather concise it's called total surprise all right let me know when vicky you count me in one, one two three four two yeah <laughs> that. all right uh, <laughs> you count you in i can't count you in yeah you can you can count, uh, don't, you can count me I in. Don't just don't, my... <laughs> you can count me in just don't count me out <laughs> all right let's see here uh it's total surprise which is what this is going to be how's that that's apropos right <laughs> of us went in our own variations things don't change but the people who hold things change their attention spans as strange as it seems you have not lost your patience you do quite well in most situations if each of us went on our own vacations how many would go to work and we all look out in total surprise and most of us can't without shading our eyes better focus and not just on size whisper it over it is the way it is pretend you are climbing a sandstone canyon a root breaks off you find yourself hanging your hand hold crumbles you find yourself falling whisper it over it is the way it is we all look out in total surprise most of us can't without shading our eyes Boy, out of focus and not just on size Whispering over it is the way it is Blazing guitar solo, you know, all that your ass before you get demoted you're close to an answer but it's still encoded whisper it over it is the way it is we all look out in total surprise most of us can't without shading our eyes better focus and not just on size whisper it over it is the way it is whisper it over it is the way it is whisper it over It was a 
total surprise what the end of the song was because I got it wrong once. <laughs> <laughs> that was great, Carell. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna have you play more. See you. That was a ditty. Just a ditty. It was a good ditty. Hold on to that guitar while we're uh, while we're here, and we'll 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 have more of that in a little bit. Somebody just asked: Is it possible to learn to play the piano at sixty-eight? Who is that? And is that a rhetorical question? Um, that's Terry Wagner. It's somebody who might actually want to do it, okay. I guess. Yeah, then of course it is. Is it possible? I mean, barring any physical restrictions, of course. Yeah. Okay. If you want to get into a conversation of neuroplasticity, then I would suggest <laughs> that it is still absolutely. We might have things that are more easily done, like language centers, which is very mm -hmm. uh, 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 relevant to musical development when you're of a certain age that I think starts to solidify around age seven or so. But mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that it goes away. And the same reason that music is good for Alzheimer's patients, anything that music and neuroplasticity can always be improved is the more you uh, exercise the motion. You're always uh, myelinating new pathways and building uh, neural connections. Yes. You know, it's interesting that you said that my father had Alzheimer's and he was a singer. He, that was his trade. And he remembered every word to every song. Couldn't remember, oh, interesting. you yeah. know, I'll, my name some at the end, but he could remember every word to every song. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> well, every song that he knew, you know, everything yeah, in yeah. his repertoire. Okay. So no, I, right, can't. I'm gonna... I can't. I can't. <laughs> You know what's funny? I, I've done a lot of like work on in my life on, okay, learn this. Boom. I can learn things so quickly. Wow. Even, you know, compared to people I work with, like, oh, boom. And then once something's locked in my memory, I can yeah. sometimes play songs that were in bands a decade ago and just pick them up and play them. But that short term, that middle term is like, boom, I'll learn something dead center. And then five minutes later, I'll be like, what have we met? You know, and then it takes me, then once it gets locked in, I have it. But there's that medium term memory. Oh my gosh, I'm terrible. That's interesting. Do you have, do you have a trick, a secret for learning quickly? Do you have a method to your madness? Um, I, I don't know. Nothing that I could think of to, um, you know, just studying the, the components, just studying the, the individual components, you know, um, as far as learning, you know, interval ear training, rhythmic ear training, uh, a lot of time transcribing melodies on an instrument helps, you know, um, mm -hmm. components that go into it, you know? Okay. All right. So let's get back. You've dodged my question, my question a couple of oh, times. I'm, I'm going to keep it until you get it. So you, to you answer it. Yeah. But how are you? Let's talk about that. <laughs> no. What's the question? <laughs> so, okay. So I'm wearing the wrong earrings. I'm not wearing gray ear. I don't know what's going on. I was going to wear a sweater because it's September. It's too hot. Anyway, what, you're playing all kinds of gigs and yes, they're all important and they all, oh, okay. mm -hmm. they all have impact. What's the first gig that takes you to the next level? The first one that you're like, you're going from little clubs to big venues. Okay. That, okay. So yeah. Um, the life changing so, stuff. So let's just, let's just say that when I was young and playing those gigs, that's a real bar. I'm like a 16 year old kid playing in a bar. Like, okay, that it's was huge. real for me. Yeah. It's um, huge. Then when I went to Boston, you know, I'd do my, you know, local, whatever gigs, you know, whatever, you know, and then I, one of the bands I would got in, we started, I started playing real club gigs around there. Maybe we traveled to Ithaca, traveled to New York, traveled here, traveled. So we was doing real shows like that bar, still bars and maybe some festivals playing original music, which is huge. So actually made it, made a living in an, in an original band back in the Boston days, which is, that's pretty real. You know, where, um, were you go, where did you go to school, Carell? Oh, I went to Berkeley for, yes, for music back in, the, back in the day. Um, yes. 
so again, that was another step up. Okay, we're playing. Did anyone outside of the few college scenes and different bar? No, of course it didn't. That band didn't break nationally, but it was okay. a step up as far as we were. Yes. We owned a van. Well, JT, our drummer, he had the van. He's, he's got the, he had the <laughs> van. We had a house. We rehearsed in the basement. We would play clubs and bars regionally. We made a living. So bam, right. that was huge. Um, then I played in another band that was more of a jam band that, you know, we toured Maine down to DC out in Colorado. Um, and then I moved back to Pittsburgh and artistically those bands were a big deal. Basically in Boston, playing saxophone, you don't need a car. You take your horn. Oh, right. You're going, you're going. Good right, right. guitar. By the time I was playing guitar with an amp and stuff, our band had a vehicle. So I still didn't have a car. I moved, I was like, okay, I'm done with Boston. I want to move either to Colorado or LA. I'd better be able to get there. So that's what the reason I went back to where I grew up and I moved to the actual city where I met this whole scene of creatives. Mm -hmm. And the whole goal was to just save a car to head out west. <laughs> I was saved, saved to buy a car. But within yeah. the first year, I was playing in so many of the coolest bands you would have ever imagined. Wow. Like, you know, jazz freak out this, uh, singer songwriter this, backing up my friend, singer songwriter this, doing my own rock. But, you know, uh, so the creative scene was incredible. So I stayed there for several years because it was just too, too good not to leave musically. And eventually, uh -huh. um, so those bands were a step up artistically and right. we were doing real stuff again. I was making a living playing music and all these different gigs. I was doing some of my okay, songs. Wait a minute. Did you ever have to have a job job? Oh yeah. I've done other stuff, a bunch of stuff too. I mean, I worked at a guitar store. I taught some guitar. I've done, you know, tons of stuff. Um, but, um, so then when I moved to LA, that would be the first, like what you, I mean, you're freaking Hollywood. Come on now. I know what you mean. You mean name above title, right? You mean like, um, this, yeah, is, so, uh, this is game changers. Come on. They want some pizzazz. Um, so yeah, so then I moved to LA and I started, you know, I got um, a call, my sister and brother-in-law who, who, who were here, they're in the music scene and they introduced me to the guy who sets up a lot of auditions. So basically I got called, Hey, do you want to audition for some band? And I ended up getting the gig and I would get, keep getting gigs. And so those small tours, you know, there was a guy named Charlie Mars, wonderful singer songwriter, um, who I got through like the LA ad audition scene. Uh -huh. So we did a tour again, you might not know Charlie, but he's made some great records. That was a professional step up, even though you yes. haven't met him yet, but you should seek him out. He's, he's down in Mississippi now, I believe. Um, a great songwriter. We, slogged it out hard in the van uh supporting his record but you know we were opening for rem we were doing some tv stuff at the time so that was real it was a good mm -hmm. you know so i was doing even though um and then i uh auditioned you know i ended up doing the jada pinkett gig on ozfest which was a whole le from playing keyboards with the mississippi singer songwriter to playing guitar in a metal band on ozfest um and then that was real you know ozfest is a big summer tour that band i you know only lasted a year but it was a significant tour. How'd you get um, that gig, Carell? That was also, that was the last gig I really got through the audition scene here in LA. That was um, through the same guy, Barry Squire. Every, well, you're in LA. Lauren, everyone knows Barry. Barry's like a freaking staple of town. He's, he's awesome. I forget that we're, you're, you're my neighbor. You're like just across the hill here. <laughs> you know, I just know he's- Not anymore. So, so everyone in LA knows Barry Squire, who's sort of, the, has had the Rolodex forever. He's a sweet, awesome, wonderful guy. He just, you know, would Oh, you need a you need a, you need a drummer and a keyboard player. Sure, I'll set up the audition, and it'll you know. So I got a few gigs. Uh, he was sweet enough to call me back, and I ended up getting a few gigs. So he would at least know. Oh, well, maybe I'm a. Not you can't get every gig because you don't know if the person needs. Right. 
what their flavor is, the, the vibe is. But I was getting more gigs that than I wasn't getting as far as through auditions. Right. Um, mainly just because probably, you know, empathy, actually taking it seriously. Like if someone would hire me for an audition and if they learn these three songs, I would learn the entire two records and be able to show up and play any song at the rehearsal and know all the parts. Smart. You know? So I was kind of that guy. Um, right. I know a few of my friends are like that, you know, um, and they're working, you know. <laughs> right. But um, so then after the original, the guy, Charlie Mars, his management company was the same management company that was working with Goo Goo Dolls. So a couple years later, just from having done a gig that was real, but right. didn't develop where they wanted it to, you know, Charlie's a wonderful songwriter, but it was just the music business is what it is. You know what I mean? Right. You know, he got a, he had some, some bad shakes through the, you know, the record label that he was on, you know, and whatever, but his talent was legit. Right. So right. it's creative in the business, different, different intersections. So, um, the, but the management company had remembered me doing a decent job in front of a different scene. So when they needed someone that I was, my name was just put into the shortlist for that. Um, which is uh, again, and then whenever I did the Katy Perry thing, that was again, it was an audition, I guess, but I wasn't like a cattle call. It was, you know, they called me, hey, do you wanna come down and jam? And I think they may have worked with a few other people on auditions, but to me, it was just like, sure, I'll go down and jam, let's go down and jam. And of course I learned all the songs and learned every part I could, even if it was a keyboard, like, so I would know, like if they were in rehearsal, if we're in an audition and say, oh, you know what, no, no, we don't need that part covered, plug this. I was like, okay, and I knew it. So you know what I mean? So I just meant, right hours to learn three songs from audition i might spend 40 hours learning the entire record on keyboards and guitars best as i could and all the harmony parts you know and so i would just over prepare uh to the best of my ability so hers was an, an actual audition katie's gig but it didn't it felt like more like hey let's just come jam because i think uh, another trick to auditioning is knowing that it could be any reason it doesn't work out mm -hmm. you know not to take it personally, not is that where you're going? Mm -hmm. Therefore, don't go into it with any caring, especially expectation, as you can. right? Yeah, exactly. It's the whole thing. Prepare like like it's your gig already, mm -hmm. and then go in to just jam, just have fun as best as you can, you know. So I think that's great advice. Yeah, um, and then you know I met Rob Thomas because we had done a whole summer with Goo Goo Dolls with opening for Matchbox Twenty. So and you know uh, and he and his whole scene are just wonderful. So. I was on a year of building the voice coaching when they asked me to do the tour and it was just too awesome not to do. It was great work, obviously on a business level, it was great work, but also creative. So that wasn't an audition per se, as much as, you know, they asked me if I was available and wanted to, but it was all tributaries developed from, you know, over preparing for a gig that you wouldn't have heard of. <laughs> So somebody just asked, uh, Linda just asked uh, how the Goo Goo Dolls came up with their name. Do you know? Um, yeah, there's different anecdotes. We've talk, I, honestly, it's escaping me a little bit, but that's like they, that's like the, she must, she must not be a fan because any super fan probably would have heard this. No, she's that's not like, a super fan. Okay. That's like the question that is like the question is of it? every single interview. Where'd you come up with the name? Like, oh God, that question again. Um, I think they were at the time, you know, young punk rock band. You know, is the Goo Goo Dolls any more left field than the Sex Pistols? It's both like inappropriately named. Like the Goo Goo Dolls is a very <laughs> silly, frilly name for a seriously thrashy bucket. So it was, it was, uh, it was the, uh, I, I, it was just like a, hey, here's some few names that they're all outrageously juxtaposed on the music we're right. playing, and it stuck basically. 
you know, they can uh, correct me on the an uh, anecdotes of that, but it's basically, it was not thought out uh, too much at the time because it was a perfect punk rock band name, you know? So it sounds to me, Corel, like it doesn't really matter to you whether you're playing in a little tiny club or playing in a, on, in a festival to a ton of people. For you, it's, it's the music, it's the collective experience, it's all yeah, of well, that. Let's say this. Um, the perfectly artistic thing is to say, yeah, I don't care about work, <laughs> working for a living. I just want to follow my muse. I wouldn't quite go that far with it. Right. But um, I will say that I've done so much work in music mm -hmm. that I, I'm not in this point in my life. I'm not saying forever, like playing with Rob is different. That is a love, even though it's a great business job and a high profile job. Right. I swear. And it pays. It's a, it's a gig. It's a professional gig. I right. promise you that is done for the love. That's so that's great. why I love it. That's why I love playing with them. Um, do you but, do you feel a kindred spirit with is there a kindred connection between you and Rob? What is it about well, that I mean, that makes it a love him, gig? Let's, let's call him up. No, um, <laughs> I mean, there absolutely is. But it, but and no offense to him, but not just him. It's it's seated with him because it's his right. sphere. But right. he's the type of person that all of the people in the sphere, the whole band. I have a very familial nice spot, spot for. So mm -hmm. of course I'm not saying it's not just Rob. It is, it is just Rob because he's the one who created that ecosystem, right? And, or invited the people in and had the discernment to know who would be the right vibe, right? But all of the people in his musical ecosystem that I've been spending time with, uh, you know, yeah, absolutely, I love for sure. Okay, um, so there's someone but, on um, on that's okay. Go ahead. I I, I was just going to say that up. I was going to say that I've also worked so many paid jobs in music that I'm not being I'm not being contrary. I'm saying that um, like I moved up to Ojai where, you know, LA is now an hour away. Right. Which is nothing. It's nothing. Mm -hmm. That's the same same traffic from my old house to LAX as it would be from here to right. my old house. It's nothing. But people up here are definitely it's not an industry town. There's so many creatives and people in the industry, but you're not going to get a gig in Ojai because, hey, I'm making a living playing. It's an it's an adjunct thing. Right. And to me, that's actually a breath of fresh air. So yes, like I'm not concerned about going out. Um, it sounds it sounds like like I'm tempting the universe to fail. Like I'm not saying that. I'm not. Of course, I want to play for real real shows and big things and make a living. Of course, I love it. But I'm saying like I'm loving voice teaching so much that my playing music is able to be uh, uh, a little more creatively precious uh, uh, and nice. less unless business precious about it. Like, I don't, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm just, it's who knows where things will be in six months to two years to 10 years, but that's where I am right now. I'm okay. enjoying, I'm enjoying um, loving music because I love it and reigniting that aspect of it, which is the kindling that ignites the bigger flames anyway. So it's fine. It takes, it's, it's a pulse of breathing, I think. And I love that you have that passion for what you're doing, because I think that's, that's everything. That's how things because what what you're feeling is going to transfer to your students and it's going to have a ripple effect, yeah, which is I'm probably, fantastic. I'm probably um, a good in a good place as a voice coach in that I've been playing music, sure, for 20, 30 years professionally, all these things. I don't even know how long it would be, mm -hmm. in like 50 years, 70 years, I don't know, 10 years, it's been a while. Um, <laughs> so I have all of these um, experiences musically and right. I guess hopefully some seasoning and, you know, grizzled, you know, world weary perspectives on it that are very real world. But um, my actual voice coaching, I have come from an experienced place musically, 
Mm -hmm. um, but my coaching is still a, a new enough pursuit that like I, I, I feel like a, a high school kid at the football game. I'm just like, yeah, you fucking did you hear that? Yeah. That's so great. I love it. That's it's really, so it's really, it's truly fun. It's fantastic. And we've talked mostly about that, but I want to talk for a few minutes about the different amazing gigs that you've had that the people who are watching have seen you play on and what it was like. So you talked about the Jada Pinkett Smith thing and, and shredding. You were the, actually the first person that I, I think you taught me the word shredding the <laughs> years ago. So that was a very different gig for you. So how was it playing that? Did you enjoy playing that music? Was it a paycheck? Oh, yeah. what? oh well, oh, I mean, it was, it was a, it was a paycheck and a real job, but, mm -hmm. um, I enjoyed it more playing it more than that wouldn't be the type of music that I go out and buy. Like right. I don't listen to super aggressive, heavy, odd times signature, detuned death metal, for example. But there was really high level of musicianship in that band, mm -hmm. and it was very intellectually stimulating. And the drummers, wow. the drummer Fish from uh, he was he was in the band Fishbone Forever. He was the drummer. He's like mm -hmm. my big brother. Like like the I've learned so much from the musicians in that band that were uh -huh. all again a gen you know a, a, a generation ahead of me, and they were extremely proficient. And Jada is like super clear eyed, you know, very present and chill and awesome. So I learned a lot. Uh, so I was like, I felt like, again, I was just getting paid to have a, a wonderful experience, you know? Fantastic. Was was yeah. that the first band that you played like a huge ven venue for with? Did um, you play big venues with? Well, with my other band, the other bands I've done, I mean, everyone has a festival every so often. I mean, I've done, I've done big stages, you know. I mean, but... Katy Perry, you had to do major. Yeah, well, this was, yeah, this was a few years, but Jada's right. been a few years before right. her. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Was that, was Jada the first one that you. Well, yeah, it was the first one where stages? it would be. Yeah, it was the first one where it would be guaranteed thousands every single day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, did, did any gig you ever, well, I'm going to go out of order here, but did any gig you, did it ever take your breath away? Like, did you ever walk out on the stage and go, holy fuck you know, just looking out at what was in front of you? Yeah, oh, I'm sure. Um, I'm, I'm pretty grizzled uh, right now, but uh, let me <laughs> think of this, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, like, well, for example, like some of the KD gigs, um, interestingly enough, like I find it harder to play, I think you and I have talked about this, to play a small group than I do a large group. Right. So when you see my living room is more traumatic. Than oh me. my gosh, that's terrifying. <laughs> Kevin Walt, our good friend from Blue, Kevin yeah. Walt, I played as he walked down the aisle. And oh. Oh my gosh, I was so drippingly, shakingly nervous. Oh my gosh. That's fabulous. Or actually, I should say this. I played as his wife walked down the aisle. Oh. <laughs> he, was, dun, he was stationary. Dun, dun. He was stationary giving the sink out. You better not mess up. Kevin's really mean. Um, but uh, <laughs> but you no. weren't so, playing the bridal march thing. Well, I was playing acoustic guitar and singing. I was, I was playing guitar. Uh, so anyway, what, I was. What did you play when she walked down the aisle? Um, they wanted a, a Goo Goo Dolls song that they liked, so I played a Goo song. Anyway. Um, wow. So uh, yeah, that makes me much more nervous. When you like with the, some of the Katie gigs, we were doing like you know festivals, especially in in, in the UK and stuff, maybe like 100, 120,000 people. But it's really oh not that God. intimidating. Because it's really? just like a huge big party. <laughs> They're just like, and you see the faces of the first maybe 20, 30 people and not like that cliche, I didn't even see the audience. Yes, you see the audience, you know? Yeah, yeah. Even in, in any outdoor show, you see the audience no matter what time of day. At night in an arena, if they black out the lights just right, it's hard to see. But you have to, people, your stage lights still bleed. You see the audience, you know, I mean, you see 20, 30 rows back. As right, right. But right. I'm saying it's a, it becomes a they and you become, you're playing the gig on stage with your friends at that point. 
You know what I mean? Whereas right. if I play for just you and your friends, it's like, oh, there's 20 people. I know all of them. They're all people I respect and they're all <laughs> watching. I'm about to mess up. I just messed up because I was thinking too hard. I think that happens. Whereas if you play for an, just an absurd number of people, you know. Hey. Okay, so how about like, did you ever do like a, a Katie show or a Goo Goo? I'm thinking probably happened more with the Goo Goo Dolls where you would play a show and then so, like a hero of yours would be in the audience and come back. Oh, and, yeah. Like, like, wh like what? What what happened well, like that? I was gonna say one of the things that made me very nervous, like once you like anything, you, you do a new thing, you're nervous. It takes a repetition. As you repeat things, right, physiological, your adrenaline right. spike, therefore gets less and less and less It become you become more acclimated. Right. So the Goo Goo Dolls was the first band I'd done that it was okay. We've, we're doing an album cycle. There's going to be 12 late night TV show appearances. I'm just making up a number, right? Right. So I remember the first time doing Conan O'Brien, I was like, oh, this is ner I'm nervous. Like I was like, <laughs> because it wasn't even like there's this many people watch. It was like the stakes of, it was just like, you know, 200 people in the studio audience, but you're like, oh, right. like 50 million people. But you did and, a and lot it, of those. You've and, done like every right. TV. And then thing, when, you, right? when you do about a dozen, I'm not saying I'm some, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. whatever, you know, oh, sure, I'll play for the president. I played for Mrs. Obama, but uh, I did two gigs at the inauguration when Barack came in the second time, actually. But, um, wow. but uh, I did one with Goose and one with Katie in the same day. It was kind of funny. It just worked out that way. Um, and wow. Michelle, Michelle and the kids were at the one with Katie. That was pretty cool. But um, what I'm trying to say is that you I mean they, like, the Obamas were not Goo Goo Doll fans. Well, uh, there was many events. I don't know. They probably I, I can't speak. I can't speak. I'm kidding. Uh, I'm kidding. Uh, I don't want to go down and say the wrong thing to anybody. <laughs> but um, that's just the one that they were at. But um, there, uh, you know, you, the I remember like being adrenalized to the point that I was like, oh, wait. Oh, OK. And so it's like the, the most important thing at a gig like that, especially as I was younger. Right. And, and experiential is like, don't fuck up press the right buttons, play the right notes. Johnny's singing. I don't have to carry the vibe. My job there is to press the right buttons, get the job done. So then you do enough of those. You do 20 or 30 TV shows. It's just at that point, it's another gig and you know the drill, you know what to expect. So I've been nervous for gigs like that, especially, you know, and then you do that enough makes of them. Uh, your friend Doug uh, says that you played for Nelson Mandela. Yeah. In South Africa. What yeah. was that about? That was awesome. It was the uh, is it four six 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 four the foundation his uh, his uh, 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 his his foundation down there. It was freaking awesome. We flew down there. Um, they had they had a stadium gig every year. You flew down with that was the Goo Goo Dolls gig. Goo Goo Dolls. Um, yeah, and um, uh, Peter Gabriel played that day. Jesus. Like, yeah, it was okay. It was, so that that's like my next question. Like when you're on a bill with like people like Peter Gabriel. We did a gig. I mean, did a gig in you in up in uh, in. Uh, uh, in a new in the Long Island, and Billy Joel was there in the audience. Like you're like, oh shit! But luckily, he was schnockered. I think that day we got to say hi to him. But um, um, yeah, there's been some gigs like with Jada. We played at the Viper Room, and Tom Cruise is right there because they were buddies, you know. Like so, but at the same time, as much as he's a megastar, is he going to critique my guitar playing as one? No, of course. So whatever, yeah, you no. know. I mean, whatever. But you know, what was the question? Yeah, though? but what what about if like a, an unbelievable guitar player is like. I'm trying to think of like one of your heroes is in the audience and well i mean i got to play one of the gigs we did with katie i don't think he paid attention though was um when we did the uh, euro mtv awards it was in liverpool so paul mccartney was a guest of honor so we played with her but he also because she was one of the few artists who wanted to have a live band 
Right. Or the we we did the sh we were the house band, so we would play. It was like the award show in the arena where right. You know now so and so let's play these. <laughs> bang, bang. We would play the walk on and walk off. We did like the late night TV show band and played with her because she was hosting. That's why basically. Right. Um, so I got to meet Paul McCartney briefly, just just long enough to know that he is a real person, wow. and that was freaking my so stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so Paul isn't dead. Not that version of him wasn't. Yeah, no. No, he seemed very, very, very real. Um, You're you know, too young to know the whole Paul is dead. No, thing. of course I know it all. Oh, of course okay. I know it all, and I believed yeah. it for a minute when I was when I was a kid. So too. did I. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, we we did like with Katie. We used to cover a Queen song, and one time we we were we played at some the Apollo or Brixton Academy, one of those English gigs, and uh, you know Brian May was there, and he was hanging out with us. It was a little bit. It was very cool. Um, oh. But again. I don't think that was nerve wracking per se, because honestly, I was just one part of a group. And right. I don't think someone like that, especially talking to him, he, was, he wasn't going there to critique. He was going there, oh, I'm so nice. You played one of our tunes, you know, uh, that sort of thing. Um, there there's certainly been instances that have made me nervous and self-conscious, of course, because that's me like heck. OK, so I have to ask you for Anne, who's on the show and who is a fan. Uh, I know you played with Hanson. What was the circumstance of that? Well, I, I almost played with Hanson. They were super cool. That you was recorded the with them, I, didn't you? No, I didn't record them. Remember when I mentioned the guy, Barry Squire, who does the auditions? That's the yeah, first yeah, yeah. gig he ever... I got into LA, and yeah. like a month or two later... Um, oh, so yeah, I got your number, and I don't know... I, we haven't met. I don't know what kind of music you do or listen, but this band, Hanson, is looking for someone. So we're doing auditions this Saturday. Are you interested? And I was like, of course I'm interested because I need to work. I'm in LA, yeah, I just yeah. moved here, right? So I went to the audition mm -hmm. and the dudes were so fun. They're, they're auditioning, you should meet Pete Griffin, by the way, my bass player friend, you should meet him. He's, he and I were among the people who auditioned for this gig. They needed a bass player and a multi guy. Okay. And so the audition was, we just hung out on stage and they would teach us a song by ear and how well do we learn it by ear? And that's kind of what I've, was was you know ear training? I, I I I'm pretty good learning by ear. Was, was yeah just, yeah yeah. I know I don't know, but but um, so we uh, we learned a bunch of songs and just jammed. It was just a jam session. It was a very informal audition. Um, so anyway, I got the gig and I flew out to Oklahoma and we rehearsed every day for a month. So me and my buddy Pete uh, Griffin, one of the best bass players hands down you would love his story he's got some cool stories uh he's done cool. a, lot, a lot of he was in zappa plays zappa he does a lot of the big guitar tours um so he and i he was the hired bass player i was the hired multi-guy and then the right the zach i taylor um and we rehearsed for a month and right at the end we're supposed to go on tour my first tour ever my first gig whatever and their record deal imploded and they were like oh she, okay uh head back to la it's gonna be a month before we actually head out we're like okay we went back to LA. Now, oh, what's happened? It's a week late. Oh no, it's gonna be about another uh, three or four weeks. Ooh. So six months later, that was when they had gone their their whole record. So then now, I mean, they're not sweating it. They started their own thing. They just took matters in their own hands. They're fine. They have their own label. Whatever they do, they they you know they didn't lose. I'm sure they lost sleep over it at the time, but right. they didn't lose their internal fan base or momentum. They're doing whatever they're doing. So I rehearsed for a tour with them every day for a month, and the tour never happened. So yeah, that was wow. my first gig, but I never actually played in public with them. But uh, wow, but you, but you were impressed with them, weren't you? Uh, I was impressed with them. I, I, I yeah. seem to recall you telling me that 
there was like a deeper meaning to the song Mba. Oh yeah, I just thought that was awesome because well, yeah, uh, well I was impressed with them because they're genuinely nice dudes. They're genuinely very family centered. All the cliches about them, you know, singing to read. But also good musicians, no? Yeah, you know, no, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, yeah, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not slagging yeah. one area by by pumping up another one. Um, actually, Zach Hansen is a ferocious drummer. Yes, and he's such. That's a good where singer. I was trying to get you to go. Yes. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. He's 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 amazing. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, uh, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. An umba. Um yeah. That was the, what I was impressed with was when they were kids, like eight, ten, and twelve years old. Mm -hmm. Of all the songs on their first record that were, you know, industry heavy hitting, co-writes, production, that was that song they wrote themselves. It's just a three chord song, but it's kind of cool that an umbop is a measure of time. Like in an umbop you're here and an umbop you're gone is what their whole 10 year old wow. world view was. And I always thought that was pretty insightful for, for them. That is pretty cool. It's at the time. It is pretty cool. All right, Corel. So we've been talking for a while. Wow, wow. We've been talking for a really long time. Yeah. But Anyone there? Yes, and there are there are still people with us. So before we go, um, uh, Robert Pat Park says, uh, "Good to hear your voice." Oh yeah, man, um, how are you doing? And uh, but you got to take us out with a song. So I, I'm going to challenge you again to go through that list of yours and figure um, out what you want to play. Okay. Um, what do you want? You want upbeat, don't you? I, all my songs that I no. really seem to play a lot. No, of, no, I was. I had suggested that when we start the show, but you didn't yeah. play at the top of the show. Now you can play yeah. whatever you want. Whatever this? makes you happy. Tuning, we love tuning. Okay. Yeah, a little drop D. Um, this song is called Breaker. I'll just play it because I I like it. I know it. It's pretty. Good reason. How's that? I always write, seem, seem to write songs. It's just some kind of archetypal thing with the with the uh, sort of ocean imagery. Um, I don't know why that is, but it is. Was it mixed all right, by the way? Can you hear everything? I wasn't blowing you out. I can hear everything. Taste a breaker, sudden death, the panorama. Cut around all to be a sky jam maker. Hold your breath, there's bound to be a letdown. All two seasoned of a wind drenched boat who can barely float on its own. Don't show, but you already know you're going down. Pass the lighter, it's supposed to be a fog rolling into town. At least I heard it from a sure survivor Who's positive the worst has yet to come down Pour time into be a wind-drenched boat Who can barely float on its own Well, your cracks don't show but you already know you're going down. 
but they're still there, you know. They barely show Taste a breaker, you'll make it back to safety after all. Maybe later, you'll think it was the greatest gift of all to spend a measure as a wind drenched boat who can barely float on its own. don't show but you already know you're going down taste a breaker sudden death a panoramic cut around I gotta put myself back in here so I can applaud. <laughs> oh, well, that is that was so beautiful. Okay, Thanks. so let's tell people how can they find your music? How can they find you to take voice lessons? Tell us how to find you. Well, the lucky thing is my name is so let's say singular that if you Google yes. me, there's only one of me. Anywhere. It's really handy. Thanks, Pops. <laughs> Where did you get your name? How did your um, parents come up with Corel? Well, it's a Turkish name, but it's not a very common name in either. There's only, you know, not there's only one Tunador family in the world, actually. It's only ours. Yeah. So no kidding. If you find anyone with my last name, that's that's one of my relatives. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay, so all they have to do is Google you. Oh well, yeah, um, you know I'm on any of the social medias. Um, my stuff's on Spotify. I have a you know a record and an EP out there, um, and just coraltunador.com. Send me an email. You know. So from your website, they can contact yeah, you to get vocal lessons and stuff. Of course, yes. Because I, I think I think you have a few takers on here today. Yeah, and any social media stuff, you know. Um, and you know it's fun. I if in all seriousness, as far as that goes. Mm -hmm. um i freaking love it it's so much fun let's do it let's come on let's do it and i mean okay, YouTube, I like, yeah, let's do it come on it's super fun i want to i want to really learn i, I want to learn how to sing the cool thing that's, about that's, singing I, the cool thing mm -hmm. about singing is that people were singing and playing percussion before there was th thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of years before there was speech it's part oh. of what we do and wow. When you look at it uh, in the way that I've been sort of, I don't like to use the word trained, but let's say trained is meaning the way I've become aware yes. of it, the people that I've learned from, mm -hmm. um, let's say the training. Um, when you look at it 
and come from a more sort of as best as you can empirical basis of this cause and effect causality physiologically what's going on acoustically um it opens up the door to look at it as a, a really good mind body awareness uh uh sort of discipline and i love it i love it it's steve really... lee says sign me up oh, i'm hold you to that steve yeah. um you know my name look up the number anyway he knows that was for you vicky um, anyway, um, I love you, Corel. Thank you so oh, much for you. doing this. Thank I you. know you're in the middle of crazy moving and all of that stuff, awesome. but it's so great to spend time with you. I've missed you. you. And if we, uh, did, if we didn't have a gig. We, when would we see each other? That's the way the world is, you know? Well, no, because I'm going to come up to Ohio. I'm going to come see you up there. And um, I love you. Right. I love you <laughs> Thank lots. You. Thank you so much for doing this. <laughs> all right. I'll see talk you to you later. Thanks, everybody. See you next week.